Sage Prison Story family, salute, man. I want to say thank you to everybody for being here. It's a sensitive subject today. It's not talking about the sales being hot, none of that. This is about real life things happening to men that uh, it's kind of hard to deal with. And we're going to talk about all aspects of it right now. So thank you. Moderators, pay attention for me. No disrespectful people. Anybody that wants to is allowed to voice their opinion if they agree or disagree. No problem. Whatever. No self-promoting your channel in here. I don't know you like that. None of that. So we're going to get started. I'm going to let a couple people jump in. This is some pretty serious stuff today. Hope everybody's doing okay. Hope all my fathers had a good Father's Day. Hope all the mothers took good care of their fathers. Stuff like that. So if y'all know, I recently I did that video. Not recently, earlier this year. I did a video about the fire at Gibb Lewis unit. What a man literally was set, you know, set set to sail on fire. He died. We're talking about that he was so burned that he literally had uh, shoes stuck to his feet. Everything like that. It was pretty bad. Very hard. Let me get this right. Sorry, y'all. It was a pretty ugly situation. And at the time when it happened, there were a lot of employees and people in the comments saying that I didn't know what I was talking about and I wasn't telling the truth and how do I know things like that so we're gonna get a little bit more into that we're gonna get into a suicide on Beto unit and we're gonna get into a murder on Michael's unit okay all three of those today and as always this is an opinion anything like that this is like real facts on how it went down okay and uh Max, no problem. You don't even have to do none of that, bro. Just pay, just, just let it ride, dog. Let them enjoy the show. No problems, okay? I don't. Nobody got to drop cash apps. Nobody got to do none of that shit. That's not why we're here. Thank you, though, brother. I appreciate the love, but you know that's not why I do it, and it makes me look bad. We don't do that. Thank you, though. I know you just meant to do right. I love you, man, and uh, I'm really happy to see a lady here. So the first thing I'm gonna do. I want to talk about this man right here. Okay. That is the man from Get Lewis Unit. All right. Take a good look at him. Rest in peace to this man. Okay. I have no idea why he was even in prison. But at this point in time right now, we're just going to look at him as a human being. All right. And I'm going to read something that I want y'all to pay a lot of attention to. This is some... uh very disheartened information right here and this is real life in texas prisons right here okay and i got this from houston public media excuse me this is a real legit news outlet source it says burned to death in a prison cell after years about warning of broken fire alarms two men have now died in blazes in texas prisons the last time the other prisoner saw Jacinto de la Garza alive, he had his face pressed against the glass panel of his door, his mouth contorted, distorted, and gasping for breath. Black smoke curled around his head, they said, and flames leapt from the burning pile holes behind him. The other men shouted and threw trash at the lone guard on duty, trying to get him to go, go into action. Minutes passed. The guard did nothing, and the smoke thickened. 
Then we didn't hear anything, said Elijah Woods, who lived in the cell next door in the high security section of Gibb Lewis Prison in East Texas. Woods is among a half dozen incarcerated men who described the November 11th, 2021 blaze in interviews and letters. Prison investigators first described 26-year-old David Garza's death as a heart attack. But in a later report, they said he died from smoke inhalation trapped in his burning cell. His was one of two such deaths in the Texas prison system in less than six months. In March, Damian Bryant, 31, died in a cell in a prison 120 miles away, TDC said. He may have been suicidal. Some lockup cell fires are part of life behind bars. For years, prisoners and staff say starting them has been a, one of the ways that men in solitary confinement air their grievances when they can't get medical attention, warm food, or a chance to go outside for their recreation. But if the state had done its part years earlier, the deaths of David Garza and Bryant might have been prevented. For more than a decade, the Texas prison system has flouted state fire safety standards by failing to address inspectors' concerns about inadequate alarm systems. Without sprinklers to douse a blaze or functioning alarms to force guards to respond, prisoners have said fires in some housing areas have burned for hours, literally fires for hours inside of a building. In late 2020, men reported setting fires to protest the deteriorating COVID conditions. A state report issued one month after David Garza's death shows that while the agency corrected some violations, it did not come close to fixing the problem, noting that most of the fire alarm system functions are not working. It gave Lewis the most recent fire safety inspection report was 2018. It found that there were no sprinklers the smoke detectors had not been maintained, and there was no electricity even going to the fire alarms in most housing areas. An agency spokesman confirmed that the fire alarm system there is still not functional in all housing areas, but he disputed that fire equipment lapse played a role in De La Garza's death. Staff failed to follow policy or training, wrote one guy in an email. It was their level of complacency and not an equipment issue that resulted in the death. There are a few ways to start a fire in a Texas lockup. Because lighters and matches are banned, prisoners repurpose wires from fans, radios, and hot pots to create a heating coil, or they stick razor blades in an outlet with pencils to spark flames. Then they hold pieces of paper close to that, catch it on fire, and now it's lit. When fires get big enough, they often, often toss the flaming ball of paper out their cells to burn in a common area. Fires happen all the time, Maurice Christie, who was also incarcerated, Gibb Lewis wrote in the letter. It's been going on forever. I started my first fire because the pill lady passed my cell and wouldn't give me my medication. Amid staff shortages and months lockdowns during the pandemic, some prisoners used contraband phones to share images of fires riddling through the prison. Many states have fire safety systems in all areas of housing prisoners. Of the 30 prison agencies that responded to this question there, 25 said alarms and sprinklers were in the housing unit. Five said they weren't. Three states indicated that it was true in most prisons. And Florida wouldn't say it all, refused to answer. Texas did not respond to questions about whether its fire safety systems cover all housing areas. Several prisoners laughed when they asked if they've ever lived in a prison house, prison housing with working smoke detectors and sprinklers. That's not in our vocabulary, said David Pedraza, who befriended David Garza in his final days at Gid Lewis. 
which was on the outskirts of Woodville, Texas. When De La Garza went to prison for aggravated assault in 2019, his family visited regularly, relatives said. But then the corrections department moved him further from the home in South Texas, and the pandemic closed all visitation. His letters home remained upbeat, but he was rarely able to use the phone and talk to his family, his sister said. He would go, we would go months without him reaching out to us, she said. Relatives began to worry he'd fall back into depression or drug use. Other prisoners all described him as quiet, but several said they noticed a change in early November. They watched him pace his cell. He started talking to himself. Next door, Woods could hear him raging. He was beaten on the steel bunk and toilet, he said. For three or four days, he was going crazy. It seemed that his neighbor was frustrated because he hadn't been outside for days, Woods said. The prison, like many others, was understaffed with almost half the guards' positions unfilled. The officers on duty, a new hire named Cody DeGlandon, said in an interview that De La Garza seemed agitated and paranoid. Eventually, the man threatened to set a fire if the officer didn't get someone up to talk to him. Rank, bring him down, he said. A little after 7 p.m., DeGlandon called for help, he said. But the higher up rank on the officers told him to wait and see if the situation got more serious. So he turned his attention to other tasks and stopped paying attention to the fire. The blaze started small, but then De La Garza added more fuel, tossing on his jacket and the stuffing from his mattress. The flames reached half the door and I couldn't see my friend anymore, wrote Pedraza, who lived in a cell across from De La Garza. When I no longer saw him at the door, I called the guard and told him he better do something to get out of here or I was going to start misbehaving, he said. The other men started shouting and banging. As the smoke grew thicker, Wood struggled to breathe in his own cell, he said. When DeGlandon noticed how big the blaze was, he called again for help. He was worried about the opening the high security cell without backup could violate the agency policies he just learned about it during his six-week training. On the other hand, he didn't want De La Garza to get hurt. I was so concerned about making the right decision, he said. It was damned if I do and damned if I don't. And I disagree, but we'll talk about that in a minute. From the neighboring cell, Woods watched as Sergeant Dana Warren, Warren, sorry, Sergeant Dana Warren finally arrived to see if the officers might open the cell door and save De La Garza. But they didn't. I don't care if he dies, Woods remember hearing the sergeant say. Other prisoners in the guard had similar recollections. The sergeant could not be reached for comment, of course. The agency said it could not confirm her remark. By the time the sergeant left, Woods estimated more than a half hour had passed since the blaze began and De La Garza remained trapped in his cell. Even as the flames died, the smoke kept swirling. Panicked, the gland poured buckets of water through the small gap at the bottom of De La Garza's door. I wish I could have done more, he said. For at least a decade now, the state's fire marshal has deemed Texas prisons for a long history of non-compliance with state fire safety standards. Last year, annual inspections reported found more than 1,600 violations, including non-functional fire alarms and no clear timeline or plan to even fix them. The correction department also failed to install smoke detectors in many staff housing areas, had no records of inspection or testing for fire doors, and had electrical violations in every unit inspected. I repeat that again. The corrections department also failed to install smoke detectors in many housing areas, had no records of inspection or testing 
and they had electrical violations in every single housing unit inspected. Prison officials said the agency plans to ask Texas state lawmakers for more than $55 million in funding needed to tackle the remaining issues nationwide, system-wide, I'm sorry. To experts, the continuing inability to meet state safety standards indicates a major problem. Fire safety is one of the things that is so fundamental for prison officials, said Michelle Dyke, a senior lecturer in criminal justice at UT. We've got a trapped population with no ability to get them out quickly or easily. By the time the officer DeGlannon called for help a third time and a lieutenant now showed up with a team of officers, Wood estimated that some 45 minutes had passed with the man burning to death in his cell. There was no movement inside at that time. Officers pulled out his body. One of his thick rubber shower shoes was melted onto his foot, the prisoner said, which I told y'all that before. They took him out on the gurney, but all we knew was the truth. He's dead. Afterward, investigators showed up to ask questions and take statements. Almost a month later, DeGlandon resigned. I spent a year in Iraq with the Army, and everyone came back alive. I spent two months in prison and seen a man die, he said. The sergeant involved in the incident was fired, and the lieutenant resigned, according to the prison agency. Another sergeant was demoted and captain given six months of probation. None of them would, could be reached for comment. Though a November report showed the inspector general's office opened a manslaughter investigation, prosecutors said no charges had been filed because the death is still being investigated. The agency said the deaths of Daily Guards and Bryant were both isolated incidents, which I disagree, and that contractors had been selected to fix the problems. But we have reports now that nothing's changed. Meanwhile, Daily Guards' families retained a Houston-based lawyer, Randy Sorrells, and Ruth Rivera to look into the incident. Back at Gibb Lewis, the man who witnessed his death said it still haunts them. I still sometimes envision him struggling for his life, Pedraza said, putting his face into that little window trying to get air. Okay. So, so literally, the first thing I'm going to say is when you work at a prison, you know you're dealing with a lot of mental patients, a lot of people with problems. Uh, obviously something's going wrong with them. They probably wouldn't be there in the first place. Okay. You know that there's men on medication. There's men that are cutters. They slice their wrists. They cut their faces. There's men in lockdown that have removed their own penises. They've slit their scrotum. There's, they do the wildest, craziest things. Okay. Setting a fire is considered a peaceful protest though. You know what I mean? Let me see something. Hold on. Setting a fire is a peaceful protest because in a penitentiary setting, especially Texas, it's just like with the police. If you're having a problem with that officer, you have a right to ask for a ranking officer to come solve this problem for you, which will never happen. Literally, they're not coming. They're busy. They're eating popcorn somewhere, watching TV or something. That's what they're doing. Okay. So here goes the man, DeGlandon, the CO, just started working there. He sees the fire and he knows the situation is serious. He calls rank. They tell him, don't worry about it. Just see if it gets worse. All right. Of course it got worse. The man is going insane. They already said that he'd been crazy for days. No disrespect to him because it can happen to anybody in there. The officer sees it again. They bring a sergeant. They sit there and look through the windows and watch them die pretty much basically. 
the sergeant leaves and the CO starts panicking, throwing water under the cell door. Here's where it gets ugly. His literally his statement in the interview was damned if I do, damned if I don't. Well, sir, your choices were let a man die in front of you because he was mentally ill or lose your shitty ass job. That's not a damned if you do or damned if you don't think, homie. A man's life versus your shitty job that you quit two weeks, two months after this anyway. Why is that man dead, homie? You could have freed him right there. So, you know, let him go, free him up, and fuck that job. You fixing to quit anyway. So that right there struck me as very, very uh, hurtful to hear. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, your job was equal to a man's life, okay? And here's the thing. Excuse me, it's hot in here. Uh, these officers have no idea why those inmates are in there 99 out of 100 times. They don't know if you're there for a simple drug possession because you're an addict. They don't know if you're a child molester, if you killed an old grandma. All they know is they, they're, you're there, they count you, and they know how many people are in this building, and it better not change. So with that being said, they treat everybody like they're an animal. Everybody's a killer. Everybody's in there, but everybody isn't. You know what I'm saying? There's normal, regular men in there, okay? And you expect men to come out and be normal after they deal with this, hearing men cry and burn to death and getting raped and murdered and things like this. It's traumatizing. PTSD is real. You know what I mean? A salute to the comment. I see y'all. Get, I can't pay a good attention right now. I'm in on it, but thank you for everybody for being here. Okay, so we're going to go on three of these three of these things right now. This is just the first one. Stay tuned now. So literally, basically that time there, whose fault was that? It's a little bit of everybody's fault. Think about it. Yes, he set the fire. He wanted attention, cry for help. But at the same time, they said that that unit is 50% staff. They don't have they don't have half the guards they're supposed to. So what that means is there's no recreation. There's no movement. Sack lunches constantly. You know what I mean? It's literally the worst living conditions that you can imagine in there in burning hot buildings with no air conditioner, nothing. It's, it's a terrible living environment. It's nothing like you see on TV. You know what I mean? There's no TVs in these cells, nothing. It's horrible. Okay. So that one is crazy. I don't know how to explain it. Sergeant, see it. Don't open it. A lieutenant come and he's already dead. It's unbelievably sad. And Gib Lewis needs to be bad ashamed of themselves. They fired one of those people and said everybody else got a slap on the wrist. All right. Here's another one that just happened on Beto unit a few. It didn't just happen a few months ago. A man allegedly was in there. They don't even know for sure. They say allegedly in there, maybe smoking K2. All right. K2. If y'all don't know what that is, that's the synthetic marijuana shit that literally is no longer synthetic marijuana. It's been modified chemically a hundred times. It has a real psychedelic effect. You know what I mean? Like a major, major side. It's like literally smoking some LSD or something when you're not used to it. But it only lasts for about 15 minutes. Okay. About 15 minutes later, they're back to normal. But during them 15 minutes, there's guys that's jumped off the rails, guys that kill themselves, guys that do crazy things. And all of that type of shit. It's unbelievable. And they're doing it to themselves. Can't say anything else, but nobody made you smoke it. 
Uh, you knew what could happen, okay? Here comes this gentleman smoking, allegedly, because they don't know. And what they do know is he smothered his entire body with Vaseline from head to toe, butt naked, and lit himself on fire like the monks did in Vietnam, sat right there. And as you know how bad it hurts to burn your finger, imagine your entire body melting. Even if that's what you wanted when you did it, you're going to sober up pretty fast, cry for help, scream, and the inmates are yelling, help, help, man down, man on fire, come. Same situation, no timely response, nothing. Burn to death in a cell. And here's the deal. If you're a captive prisoner, your safety and everything is in their hands. You understand? Surely they can't stop you from rubbing Vaseline and setting yourself on fire. But they can have a proper response. They can have a fire team. All right. I live right by the refineries in Texas City. Guess what they have? Their own fire department. Men trained for this. Things like that. Literally fire watch. Plans everywhere. You understand? But a prison doesn't. They have captive men with no plan on what happens if a fire starts in this building. They're not going to release you. And they're not going to be able to put anything out. So tragedy can strike at any time. And as I said, every man in prison isn't the same. Here's the deal. My own big brother, rest in peace, had 50 years in a Texas prison for about 10 grams of cocaine, two Xanax and two Vicodin. All right. That's what he had. That was his real actual case. 10 grams of cocaine, two Xanax, two Vicodin. The Xanax and the Vicodin belonged to a girl that was riding with him. She threw him on it on his lap and took off running into her house when he got stopped. When he jumped out, they fell on the ground. He's guilty as hell. Possession nine-tenths of the law. Ten grams of cocaine. Guilty as hell. That's his possession. And he had multiple cases. We're not going to dispute whether the 50 years was right or wrong, anything like that. Beings as murderers get less and child molesters get probation in Texas, things like that. Okay, you make that decision. The jury felt that it was appropriate. And I'll never argue with 12 normal citizens. Hey, when you're in this game, you know what can happen to you. You know you're looking at a life sentence at any time, or you're you're looking at uh getting killed, getting robbed, getting jacked. Literally, my brother was was a lifelong drug dealer. He did other things too, worked in refinery, stuff like that. But he was a lifelong drug dealer, had previous cases and everybody known. So when he got this, it was enhancement. He was looking at like a 25 to life thing. So there's comes the 50. That's how Texas works too. We have our own version of the three strikes law. Okay, so here's here goes my brother with 50 years. They sent him up to Amarillo, Texas, Bill Clemens, which is literally, man, maybe a 12 to 16 hour drive from here. It's literally like driving past other states. You know what I mean? It's up by New Mexico and Colorado and all that. That's how far they had my brother. He had never seen snow in his life, went up there and had to shovel snow in the wintertime. And it was crazy. But that's how they do you, too. Pay attention to that. Don't think if you get busted in Texas, you're going to go. You live in Houston, so you're going to a prison in Houston. Nah, man, they can send a black man to a prison in South Texas ran by purely Hispanic guards where they speak Spanish. They can send you to Dallas. They can send you to the Panhandle, East Texas, West Texas. You're never going to know where you go and you can't control it. You know what I mean? So here goes my brother 
walking into a G3 wing where almost everybody there had super violent cases, life without parole. He had the smallest number on his wing, literally at 50 years. He had a shot of parole after about seven and a half, I believe is what it was. Okay, so that already was kind of hard because everybody in here is looking at him like, you know, you're the only man in here that even has a shot of going home. You understand? It was a lot of pressure. Uh, my brother's not a gang member. He wasn't He didn't, He wasn't doing none of that type stuff like I was doing back in the day. You know, so it was a, it was a shocker for him. He got in there and uh, emotionally it kind of got to him. His health started going bad and stuff and everything else. Well, my brother had a heart attack in his cell. When he had the heart attack in his cell, guess what happened? His cellmate started giving him CPR, trying to save my brother's life. Everybody else on the wing that he felt might not even like him were beating on their cells, on their windows and everything, saying, man down. Got a guy dying. No response. The exact same way. Nothing happened. Could he have been revived or not? Who knows? They never even tried. They literally came later with the gurney. You know what I mean? It's how they work in Texas. They told us heart attack. And if you read what I just told you, I mean, you hear what I just read to you and told you that they said that this man that they witnessed with their own eyes had a heart attack and didn't tell his family what really happened at first. And I dropped the video pretty soon. I don't know if my video helped that get out or what. I don't know. But God bless them people and their family because they need to request that security video and get that with their attorney. You know what I mean? Like literally. So me personally knowing that this happens and all the time, because it happens to my brother, we know how real that is. All right. It's a, it's a crazy world in there. Hold on a second. Give me one second. Y'all I'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. All right. Let me get my daughter out here. I'll be like back in about 30 seconds. Sorry. All right, I apologize, y'all. That's that real uh, single father life, man. I can't do nothing about it. Y'all just got to bear with me. Thank you for everybody that don't, don't trip. OG Hollywood salute, man. Y'all make sure y'all tap OG Hollywood's channel right there, man. Ferguson Chronicles. All right, so literally, I'm knowing that this happened to my brother. You know what I mean? So when this type of thing I hear about, it's painful, man. It's hurtful that thinking about somebody else, brother, melted in a cell and y'all didn't care some other guy went crazy in his cell and so you're like okay snow and we got one more coming about another one on michael's unit but snow what can they what do you expect them to do how can they fix this problem well i'm here to tell you in a federal prison when you walk in your cell in a federal prison guess what's in there a sprinkler and a heat sensor remember like when you were in high school in the bathroom you could hold the lighter up to the thing and bust the sprinkler. Yeah, they have them in every cell in the feds, so we know it's possible. Texas has them nowhere. They literally have another report I read where they had over, <clears throat> excuse me, they had over 3,000 violations one time. You explain to me, anybody, how a state facility with a big budget 
cannot meet state standards and why that's not a problem, why that's not a red flag, why isn't that addressed? Well, we know why, because that's the prisoners, they're scum of the earth. Some of them are, some of them ain't, some of them ain't. You know what I mean? We'll agree, there's a lot of them in there that ain't, but there's a lot of them that are. That's how prison life is. You might be a nice guy that just caught up. Now you got to go in this jungle with killers and rapists and murder, you know, psychopaths. So always remember that when you're out there doing your petty crimes and you're riding around with your drugs. You can end up like my brother with 50 years on a tank full of gorillas. And you ain't one. You know what I mean? No disrespect to my brother, but he was a smaller guy. I'm six foot. My brother was probably five eight five seven you know what i mean so it's rough to it's rough to talk about but here goes one next that happened okay literally on michael's unit tennessee colony right there next to beto this one's hard to talk about and i ain't gonna say no names or anything because i don't want to disrespect the family but the last murder that happened on michael's unit was two cellmates fighting I don't even know if they was fighting. One cellmate attacked the other one. He literally stomped this man flat. Think about it. He said his, his head was like about this flat, smashed. And they had to pick him up and take him out in bags, a piece at a time. You understand? When that happened, I've had several inmates write and tell me this. I'm talking about several tell me this and their trusted sources and even another employee told me that the guard that was supposed to be making the rounds that was supposed to be sitting there in the wing hearing cries for help listening for things stuff like that was in another part of the prison asleep while the man died man i don't know if he could have prevented it or not but why was he in there asleep why isn't he fired? Why isn't he prosecuted for negligence? What's going on here? Why is this being covered up like this? What the hell is happening? That there is no responsibility inside of these facilities. You understand? And we'll go back to the man smoking the K2. 99 out of 100 times it was brought in by an officer. You understand? They're not magically producing that stuff in their visitation. They might can bring in a little bit that they can swallow for themselves. But the actual loads that are getting the entire prison high, they're brought in by the guards. We know this. TDC and TDCJ employees. They catch these people bringing it in. Guess what they do? Force them to resign, usually. They force them to resign, and they can come back and get their job later because they didn't get terminated. That's a good old boy situation. You know what I mean? It's literally... Um, and I ain't even crying about this or nothing. I'm telling the honest to God truth. So people that's never been know what to expect. If they go, you understand, you can get your head stomped flat, your cranium picked up in little brown bags. And there's nobody even there to listen to you cry. The other inmates next door now got to deal with this for the rest of their life. Hearing this man yell and scream. And then all of a sudden, boom. Think about it. Here goes that PTSD we talked about again. So it's rough to really, really, really think about all the stuff. And this is just a couple cases. This happens all the time. You know what I mean? But it's almost always that there's no response. 
or there's an inadequate response, or it's like that sergeant looking through the door going, no problem. I want him to, I hope he dies or whatever that quote said. Don't quote me on that. I said it when I read it. That's the type of, uh, that's the type of, look, see, starter, you never know. Who's to say then when this happens, who's to say that the, that the guard didn't set you on fire himself and then say you did it. The only reason that we know that didn't happen is because inmates reached out, but it, it's possible, you know, there's places where crazy things, but I'm not accusing them of that because that's not what happened right here. But it's, it's just rough to deal with. You know what I mean? That, that it's such a, uh, let them die attitude. What are y'all working there for? What it, what happens is there's two types of guards now. One guard's type is extremely sadistic. They enjoy creating pain and, and seeing misery and stuff like that. Maybe they got abused as children or something. Some of them are bullies. Like there's literally officers that are bad bullies and there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? Salute to Hollywood. Because Hollywood told me a story about a big guard who used to make you grab the fence or uppercut you, knock your teeth out. And then if you fight back, you got an assault to officer case. And the man literally ruined people's lives. And everybody that worked on that prison knew about it. Okay. I have. I've had so many employees reach out to me since I've started Texas Prison Stories, telling me stories that haunt me that I can't come on this channel and talk about because. I don't never will expose a source. How about that? Views and all of that is not worth me getting some person fired or betraying trust or selling myself out, doing something I can't sleep with. But there's a lot of stuff happens that I literally don't talk about. But this hit the media right here. So we're talking about it. You know what I'm saying? And these guys weren't in the Houston news and everything. So no, it's not what you see on TV or the movies, that's for sure. When I walked inside the first Texas prison, Beto, I thought it was going to be like lockdown on National Geographic. Everybody big and strong and doing good and all this. I walked in, everybody was gray looking, pale. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? People skinny, starving looking. And I, it just struck me as, man, I just entered into a room full of dead bodies. And a lot of them were never going home. So it literally is exactly like they were dead bodies. You understand? Like, what the hell? As I sit, situate myself, I realize every single day their excuse why they couldn't run you to chow and you're getting a sack lunch. Their excuse why they couldn't do whole squad. They couldn't take you to wreck. They couldn't do nothing. Was short staffed. Okay. Well, here's my advice to you. TDCJ one y'all did give them a little 15% raise we know that two stop making it part of their job to where they have to allow men to die and, and be part of the system I don't know how you fix that you understand like do we need new officials do we just need more attention to this or what because as y'all seen with the escape there was no updates no news silence I literally broke that how he escaped and probably the, the system probably panicked, you know what I'm saying? But people have a right to know the five people that passed away. Family needs to know that he rode the same bus 14 times and they didn't check it. You understand stuff like that. He's it's unbelievable. Some of the stuff that goes on, but it's unbelievable the way that they silence it, the way that they're not allowed to talk, the way that everything is a secret. OK, so here we go.
guess what the story about oh my brother getting a cpr and all this other stuff that's what we got in the file that was his you know uh the official report i guess you would say was heart attack and all that okay and the deal is they do their own independent autopsy and if your family can't afford to bring your body down and give you a funeral here and all that then they bury you in the in the huntsville cemetery i want to know how many men passed and are in that cemetery that their death certificates are wrong because if you do it once you'll do it twice now it's got me second guessing wondering did my brother really die that heart attack or did he burn to death in a cell did somebody stomp his head into the ground and y'all know y'all didn't respond you understand that's gonna bother me now for the rest of my entire life y'all i don't know and how about this if somebody has family that's been on bill clemens for a few you know for five six years 10 years 20 years reach out to me on facebook or something let me know man because i'm trying to now find out what happened with my brother and i ain't gonna i know ways to verify if you're lying or not so don't come in no bs to me you know what i'm saying but i do want to talk to somebody and it's scary i mean it's bad scary and when you catch this system with their pants down nothing happens they don't care they're fully backed by the state of texas they can't do no wrong so it's getting real real uh i don't know what you say it, it gets to me people ask all the time snow does talking about prison bother you why do you do it all the time well i do it for my brother that died man i do it for the kids not even kids i don't ever say this channel's for the kids because it's not i set my channel for no kids y'all you can't watch it if you're a kid all right i do my shit for the young adults the men 17 i caught my first felony in life two days after i turned 17 think about that i walked into galveston county jail in the old jail that was really rough two days after i turned 17 i caught my case went straight in there and had to fight all kind of shit. and i'm fighting men that's 25 26 20 you know what i'm saying i was i was a lot smaller back then and i got a rude awakening real fast because i didn't know what was waiting on down the road I thought it was a game. How about that? I really thought prison was a game. I thought it was like TV. I thought it was just going to be all right. Cool. Go get me a little number, uh, watch TV and everything. I didn't realize I was going to get to a Texas prison. The first welcome to a Texas prison is that big strip search where they purposely have feminine inmates. And I, nothing against uh, nothing against homosexual people or nothing like that. There's some in my family. We don't, we don't hate on them. But they do it on purpose to traumatize the new guys. They'll have a, a transsexual or somebody working up front that's right there telling you, welcome to prison, get naked. All right, so there's your first one. I was like, man, this is crazy. Shave your hair with the gap head. I told the story where they literally only had two sizes of shoes, eight or 15, and I wear an 11 or 12. So I took the 15s flopping. Other guys was trying to squeeze into the eights. They ran out of the eights. I don't think I said that. Then everybody had to take 15s. There's little short guys now flopping down the bowling alley in size 15 shoes. All right. Get in there. I heard all these stories in the county about, man, I can't wait to get to prison. Man, they feed you better. It's going to be great. Uh, all this old wolf ticket shit where people were trying to egg macho saying they can't wait to get to prison. I got to prison and was like, man, I'd rather be back in the county close to home. This shit ain't what it's cracked up to be. You understand? I'm not. Wanting to go deal with all this just so I can smoke a cigarette. No, 
but I had no choice. Once the people sentence you, you're theirs. You're literally state property. You understand? So when I get in there, the first jumpsuit I put on, dirty as hell. There's blood stains on this jumpsuit. Looks like somebody took a shit on it. Uh, filthy. They give you one pair of boxers. And I'm like, what are we supposed to do with this old dirty ass used pair of boxers? Trade them in. We'll give you another dirty ass used pair of boxers. I'm like, what? We share boxers? Share everything in the Texas prison. You will literally get you some shit stained boxers, y'all. And that's what they give you. The only way that you ever get you something nice or new is by paying somebody. And that's that's against the rules, but you're going to do it anyway. You might buy you some nice clothes in there and just don't turn them in. But now you're washing your clothes in a fucking toilet. That's what you'll be doing. You'll have to buy you some clothes from an inmate. And then you'll be scrubbing them in your fucking toilet. Okay, that's Texas prisons. There's no cable. There might be one or two, three cable channels on the TV you can't hear. There's no remote control. You can't change it. If you ain't no just hella respected inmate, you're not even going to sit up close where you can see that TV. You might do 10. There's men in there that did 10, 20 doing life sentences that never watch TV. They literally sit in a little empty brick day room where you're not even allowed to stand up. It can only talk to the men right there by them. You know what I mean? No TV, no radio out there, nothing. You have one clock radio in your cell. Welcome to Texas prisons. You got a hot pot if you're lucky. And if you're a mark, they're going to come take that hot pot fast. You ain't keeping that hot pot if you're a buster in Texas prison. You ain't keeping nothing. Matter of fact, you ain't getting nothing in your cell. Okay. A Texas prison on the old units where we was. You can pop open your cell at night with a string. And go in somebody else's cell. You could pop open your cell and go fight at the end of the run. Kill somebody, do your transactions, whatever. There was no cameras at the time. And as we know, guards were falling asleep out of place where they shouldn't be. They're not doing their job. So literally, it's so dangerous on a maximum security prison at night. It's worse than being on the streets because you're now locked in with people that you know have already killed. And they say it's a lot easier to kill that second time. That's pretty scary. You know what I'm saying? If they want to rape you, six men can pop their cells and come in. What are you going to do about it? I don't care if you got a knife in there. They got six knives. You understand? You got raped just now. Shit like that. That's why Texas prisons are scary. There's zero control of them. The inmates run the inside to a certain extent anyway. You know what I mean? Uh, But guess what? Inmates aren't doctors. They can't give you medical help they can't give you legal aid none of that you know what i'm saying like literally you control other inmates but you can't control what happens to yourself if that makes any sense you know a shot caller in a prison can tell an inmate what to do but a guard will come tell him get butt naked squat and cough that's another thing that i learned in a texas prison you better love getting naked you better not be shy if you got a problem with your body or a complex, you're in the wrong place because you're going to take showers with 200 men at a time, okay? You walk into a cattle shower, and they have little things that come up, and you and your homeboys stand right there. You got some ones for the blacks, some for the whites, some for the Mexicans, and that's the one you're going to use, and you got to take turns. While, while we was in there, the, the officers would play with the temperature. You're going to take a cold shower in the winter. And a hot shower in the summer. And it, what can you do about it? You can't control your own water temperature. And when they're ready for you to finish, they shut off. Whether 
there's men that's soapy from head to toe because they had to wait and turn and they cut the water off on you and they don't care. They tell you, get your towel clean off. Happens all the time. You know, again, I'm not saying what's right or wrong to treat these inmates like that. You have to make that decision as yourself because I believe most of the people watching this are going to uh, have some family member in there. They're going to have friends in there. They're going to have, a, you know, uh, Texas incarcerates so many men that everybody is connected to the inside some type of way. Don't forget that. So that's why this type of stuff is important that you can watch and see what's going on with your family. See, look, still Southwest salute, still doing it then. They're probably still doing it now. You know, so we talk about it all the time that literally we know the men ain't harder in Texas. There's no harder men in California, New York. Men are men. Humans are humans. What we say it all the time is Texas, you're going to have the worst living conditions. This ain't your place where you want to go to prison here, young men, because you're going to be doing that showering like cows with with guys that are looking at your backside. You know what I'm saying? There'll be men in there that have that have breasts and stuff like this. You might look in the corner and see somebody having sex over there or something. It's 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 happens. It's and it's not your business. Just move around. You know what I'm saying? Keep make sure you don't stare. Matter of fact, you don't look twice because that'll get you in trouble too. They'll think they catch you looking twice at something like that. They think you're interested. Now you gain. You're in the game. They got a rule: if you grin, you're in. Think about that. If you grin, you're in. Don't grin. You don't laugh at nobody else's misery. Uh, I showed the video of the man getting his head flushed down the toilet. All the comment warriors said that, that they wouldn't let that happen to them. They'd rather die. Well, think about what you're saying. You'd rather die? For one, I, I, I've never been in a situation like that because I won't owe people money in there. I won't get a debt that I can't control. None of that type shit. You know what I mean? But there's guys on the inside with drug habits. They owe money, shit like that. Their own people won't back them up no more. And they literally have to make that decision. Let this man flush my head down the toilet, take that whooping or never see my children again. Never kiss my mama. Never see sunlight ever again. And that man could have been on a two to three year sentence or something. You don't know. You know what I mean? Like Think about what you say and what you would do. Because right now, if you get out your car at a gas station, a man run up to you and put a gun in your mouth and tell you to do anything, and it's cocked back and loaded his fingers on the trigger, what you going to do? You understand? That can happen to you constantly in there, but it's going to be a knife. It's going to be a screwdriver, a piece of a window broken off, rusty-ass metal that they put up to your ear, right behind your ear. They put it to your back, and there's pressure on it already. They're serious. They're not playing. You're going to die or you're going to put your head in the toilet. That's the type. Look at that toilet back here. Who wants their head flushed in that? Don't go to prison and it will never be an option. How about that? Get a job. It's nothing wrong with living modest out here. There's nothing wrong with not being the flyest guy on the scene or nothing. And the people that actually work and get their shit right, in the long run, they're the ones that win anyway. When you're when you're finally busted with your crime, even if you make it to an old man, you lose all that. You don't have nothing no more. You'll be the guy in prison with a photo album of what he used to have and ain't got none of it. You know, it's just not worth it, man. And it's a painful thing. It's 
literally, yeah, it's do or die, savage environment and everything. But every person in there isn't wrong about, I mean, every person that probably committed a crime, but every person ain't going to come out and commit one. That's my point. But how do we expect any man to get his mind right in there when this type of shit is going on? Uh, education is super slim in Texas. About the only thing they're going to worry about here is trying to get you your GED. You're going to get a GED and nothing else. You ain't going to free college classes in Texas. You might luckily get into a trade that will be some. It's not even going to be something that you want. You might luckily get into culinary arts or something where you can go work and be a chef or something later, maybe. But I can't think of. I don't know. I can't think of any trades in Texas prisons that I can just spit off off the top of my Hollywood. If you're in the comments still, brother, drop drop a, uh, some trades that you remember, because I don't really remember none of that shit. Honestly, it was unbelievable. Uh, truck driving school. They got that for some of the guys that are literally about to go home and then you work for them driving. So I don't know. But anyway, listen, I'm, I got my friend AR-15 right here. Tango Blast, man. H-Town that I'm fixing to bring in the video. And we're just gonna discuss about what we're talking about a little bit. Uh, gonna freestyle, and uh, I don't remember anybody learning well in KK. I learned it in the you know leaving the feds, not in the states. So anyway, y'all welcome my guest, Mr. AR15, right here, y'all. What's up, brother? What's up, everybody? Man, let me make sure everything's straight with my audio. Okay, yeah, we ought to be good. Listen, man, did you hear the spiel that I just did? Yeah. Yeah, everything. I got a delay on my end, though. Are you? It's, it's yeah. messing up. It's just a delay. Yeah, I just heard that where you said you hear the spill. Oh shit. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna have to bring. You, I'm gonna have to uh, try it again. Then, all right. Bit. All right. Yeah. So we're not even gonna be able to do that with AR right now. I don't want to mess up the video because he's he's doubling and shit. Y'all make sure y'all check out the uh, the the interview that we did. It's called Tango Blast. Literally. And we talk about me and AR serving our time together in the feds, both being at Beaumont Medium and things like that. So um, I don't know. Y'all tell me. I'm going to read the comments now. Talk to me. Let me know what you think, man. Uh, is this is this okay? I mean, I don't know. How do y'all feel about it? Do criminals deserve basic human rights or not, y'all? And when I say criminals, remember, these people don't get to differentiate between what criminal is what on the inside. So they're literally just getting treated the same. Man, my shit ain't like, anyway, I'm finna tap out, y'all. I was planning on doing that with AR, you know, it ain't working, so we ain't gonna mess up the video, but. I'm going to say big salute to everybody. Y'all do me a favor. If you can, share this video out to your Facebook, your social media for me. Hit the thumbs up, subscribe, all that type of shit everybody says. And thank you for supporting the channel where we keep it real right here. We never fake it to them people. We never act like it's cool. None of that. You know what I'm saying? Texas Prison Story family, thank you for being here. Big salute, y'all.